Welcome to another Alive at Springwood podcast, brought to you by Springwood Presbyterian Churches, where we don't believe churches are buildings. Churches are people. Disciples of Jesus bound together in diversity by God's love, while pursuing faithfulness and vulnerability, celebration and lament, reading the Bible and prayer. May you be encouraged and God glorified by this edition. Nice to see you all. Hi, people on Zoom as well. Good to, good to see you guys too. Nice to see those waves. Uh, it would be a brave person who preached on the whole of Ephesians chapter 1 in one go. And that's not me. So we'd, we'll be referring to it, but we're going to be looking at a few different passages of, of Scripture today. And uh, we're taking a bit of a break from the book of John today, and we'll be doing that throughout the year Take it with some interludes to break it up a little bit. And, but I thought it was a bit early to leave John altogether. Uh, so we're going to continue to explore one of the key themes that we've been hearing about, and that's the theme of God's presence in the world. We've been hearing how the Word became flesh. We're going to explore that a little bit more today. And, and this service has been a wonderful celebration of all that we're going to be talking about today. Because we've seen all these wonderful examples. We've heard from Warren and, and George and, and Bob and Jan about the different ways in which God is working in his world through his people. And that's what we're really going to be looking at today. So just to set the scene a little bit, uh, as we've heard that the word became flesh, it, it, God's story doesn't tell of a God who stands afar and watches from a distance. It tells of a God who has taken on flesh and come to pitch his tent right here in the midst of this physical, gritty, sensory world. He came and he's come to be seen and touched and heard, to bleed and sweat, to laugh and weep, and to Anyone who asks if God is real, why doesn't he show himself? God answers us in Jesus, well, here you go. Here I am. And so this physical world around us is not some mere accident. Our bodies, though we may be dissatisfied with them at times, they're not inconveniences we see in Jesus that God is utterly committed to his physical creation. This world, though it's broken, is not a mistake that God now has to find some way to, to work around. Creation is the stage God has carefully and lovingly created to display his goodness and grace. These bodies are the ones that God has carefully and lovingly crafted to partner with him. And this community here is one that God has carefully and lovingly formed to be a tangible taste of God's presence in the world. So as we come to explore this theme through the pages of Scripture, let's turn to God in prayer. Lord God, we thank you that you are a purposeful God who is at work in this world. That you don't stand from afar or hide knowledge of yourself far away where us physical human beings can't 
experience or come to know you, but you choose to make yourself known in this world of senses. And so, Lord, may we uh, hear and see and taste and touch a little bit more of who you are today and that we might respond in kind, seeking to serve you in this world. Amen. So there should be a slideshow show up on the screens. Fantastic. And um, maybe if we could try sharing that with Zoom, is that all right? So people on Zoom, just let me know, can you see, hopefully you can see me and, and the Zoom slide. I'm probably on the side a little bit, but um, it might be helpful for you to see the slides as well. So to start with, uh, I think we need to, it's important, for, oh, I want to just state and remind us of the obvious that we are physical and sensory beings. That's how we've been created to be. We, we need to see, we need to hear, to touch, to taste and to smell the world around us to understand it. In fact, if you would have all your senses taken away, if you had no way of engaging with the world around you, would you be able to know anything, anything at all? How would you ever learn what green is? How would you ever know your name? How would you ever know that there was anything but emptiness, loneliness and darkness? It's a thought that, that makes me shudder. Helen Keller, who was born blind and deaf, learned language as someone traced letters on the palm of her hand. And she said this, if I can get the slide to work. I might get you to do the slides for me. Thanks, Warren. She said this. Once I, I knew only darkness and stillness. My life was without past or future. But a little word from the fingers of another fell into my hand that clutched at emptiness and my heart leapt to the rapture of living. I find that a beautiful quote. We come to know and experience the rapture of living as we interact with the physical world around us through our senses. We're deeply tied to the ground we walk on. We're deeply tied to the creation that God has gifted us with. Of course, none of this is a surprise to God. He's made us this way. He knows that we experience life and understand the world through our senses. And so in his grace, God reveals himself to us in the world of senses. And scripture, as you read through it and pay attention, it continually appeals to our senses, paints pictures of a sensory and physical world. Come and see, it says. Taste that the Lord is good. Hear the word of the Lord. Touch my wounds. And Jesus' sacrifice is described as a fragrant offering to God. The pattern that we see throughout Scripture is of God affording humans and his creation great honour and dignity. 
And one of the ways that God displays this commitment to creation is by choosing to act through the tangible presence of people. We see all this culminating, of course, in Jesus, but it extends out to us today as well. And the question I really want us to ponder today as we move through Scripture is, if God is so committed to working in and through a people in this physical world, what might it look like for us to live as Christ's body in the world today? So as I said, we're going to trace our way through the story of Scripture and see how God works through a people. And we're going to begin in the pages of Genesis. And just want to read from Genesis chapter 1, where it says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So from the very beginning of creation, the physical world is given potential and purpose. The, the garden, this centerpiece of shalom needs to spread and God tasks man and woman to act as his partners. Humanity is made with dignity and honour to be a physical presence for God in the world, acting with our hands and our feet to tend the soil, to spread the garden and to be a peace-bringing presence in creation. God, God didn't have to do it this way. He didn't need us. But God commits from the beginning to work in and with his physical creation, to uphold our created dignity as his image bearers to the world. And even when we reject him, even in our rejection of him, God never robs us of that dignity. He continues to include us in his plans, even at great cost to himself. We see this same pattern and commitment shown in the life of Israel too, in all kinds of different ways. God speaks through his prophets. He says to Abraham that his family, this nation of Israel, will be a blessing to all the nations. And then in Isaiah, we got those wonderful words that we read earlier, where God describes Israel as being a people who are meant to bring God's goodness out to the world. We find in Isaiah, that they failed at that task, but he's calling them back to be a people of mercy and compassion, justice and goodness. And he says that by mirroring God's character to, to the world, they'll become like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. God is forming his people to be a tangible, nourishing, life giving presence in his world. And though Israel never really live up to this calling in the Old Testament, God doesn't give up. He doesn't reject us and say, time for another plan. God doubles down. He will bring about his purposes in partnership with humanity. 
He will redeem us to our restored purpose and dignity. He will act and make his presence known tangibly through his people. And he will do all this in Jesus. So when we get to the book of John, and we find that the word became flesh, we see God's loving determination to honour humanity's created dignity and purpose. In Jesus, the human race finally succeeds in being a tangible taste of God's presence in the world. We read in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. We're given a picture of Jesus' divinity, but also a picture of humanity redeemed to being the image bearers we were always created to be. In Jesus, our flesh and blood human truly lives as a tangible taste of God's presence in the world. The story doesn't end there because Jesus doesn't just fulfill our purpose as God's image bearers. He restores us to that purpose. In in Ephesians, the, the passage that we heard earlier, Paul describes this in the most incredible terms. In the beginning of the chapter, he explains how God's revealed himself to us in the flesh and blood of Jesus and then says that because we've been united to Jesus through the Holy Spirit, because Jesus' humanity is now our humanity, we are now a restored community that can act as God's physical presence in the world. These verses on the screen from verses 21 and 22. Just consider how remarkable this is. God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's who we are. The church, the church throughout the world, the church in the Ukraine. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So this community of God's people, God's people wherever they might gather, are described as being the body of Christ. But but what does that mean? Well, at one level it means that we're diverse but unified in Jesus. That we follow the same king. It means we're gifted in various ways. But Paul is saying that the church is the tangible, physical presence of Jesus in the world today. When people say, why doesn't Jesus just come and show himself? Paul, I think, would say he is showing himself. He says, look at that group of people from different nationalities and cultural backgrounds who have learned to overcome their differences and call one another brother and sister. Look at how these people live with compassion and love. Hear them speak words of grace and kindness. Touch the generous gifts they offer to the poor and needy. 
taste the meals they cook to feed the hungry. Smell the aroma of the gardens they tend and the meals that they cook. This is a community of redeemed and restored creation where Jesus' presence is being made known to the world. Of course, if Jesus makes his presence known through the life of his church, that raises a lot of questions as well. What do we do with the fact that the church is pretty messy? What do we do with the fact that we live in a world that's pulling us increasingly apart from one another rather than together? What do we do with the fact that we live in times of COVID where being together is hard and being a tangible presence in the world is tricky at times? We might be the body of Christ, but this body is more like a toddler learning to walk. There's lots of trips and wobbles as God's spirit strengthens us. And so there's moments when this church community beautifully displays God's presence to the world and times where it looks a bit more messy. Yet even when we mess it up, God is working to heal and restore us again. And I wonder whether sometimes it's actually in the healed scars that litter our body that people see God's goodness and faithfulness. But if all of this is true, if Jesus is making his presence known to the world through the life of this community, through communities like this, that has to have a profound impact on our shared life. It means we need to be seen and heard, to be touched, to be even tasted and smelt. We live in a world of senses and God invites us to be present to him, to one another and to our community. So, so what might that mean for us in Springwood then? What I'd like us to do is to stop for a moment. I'm going to stop in a minute and invite you guys to join me in imagining for a little moment what this might look like. And there's four picture frames up there on the screen. I want you to imagine that you're an artist. Those four picture frames represent four different areas around us, four different spaces around us here. The neighbourhood, so you might think about the street out there in Springwood or our homes, the parks, the workplaces, the schools. You might think about the church grounds here, so the outside area up there near the street and down here. The stone church and then the ministry centre here. What I want you to do is to imagine one of those spaces. Imagine you're drawing a picture five to ten years from now. If this church community is living as a faithful presence, as a taste of God's presence in the community around us, what might you see happening in that space? If you were to paint a picture of the things happening, the conversations going on, the relationships taking place, what might you see? So what I'm going to invite us to do is to take five minutes for each of us to just choose one of those spaces and you might just stay in here and sit quietly and reflect on that. 
You might chat to the people around you. Or you might go for a walk. And I invite you to go for a walk. Go and stand in one of those spaces or around the property and have a look around. Talk to one another. Just imagine what might God, how might God have us live as his faithful presence in this space into the future. And then we'll gather back together in about five minutes. People on Zoom, I'd encourage you to imagine one of these spaces as well uh, and we'll share in a, in a moment. As a tangible taste of God's goodness in, in the world, what might that look like? Right. Yeah. And have a coffee. Yeah. So, so I think people looking into the church do see that um, activity, but there's not the same intentional activity well, we're talking about. Yeah, or even the incidental act activity that happens during the week of that space. Yeah. I'll, I'll summarise. Sorry, people on Zoom. Um, <laughs> Just to summarise that one uh, for people on Zoom, Ray was just suggesting that up the front of the church there, we've got some logs there for people to sit on, but if we had some nicer, more comfortable seating, even on the other side, out the front of the stone church, which is a feature that people love in the community, for, or Coco and I were even talking about some picnic tables or things like that for people to sit at and to use this space as a shared space between church and community. Uh, maybe that is one small way of encouraging a bit more interaction. Lisa. Yes, along similar lines, having, um, we do this, but keep doing it, mm. uh, having exhibitions or displays that are changing so that people can see that we're alive and interacting and perhaps making a contribution to beauty, but also to, to ideas and things that are around. So, you know, obviously Easter and Christmas, but mm. anytime there's a function on or a thing on in the street that we have a, a presence, plus a continuous, yeah, changing, I don't know, sculptures or banners or something on that people can stop and discuss and mm. provoke and thinking. And setting them up in such a way too that draw people into the property as well. Um, we've done that in, in the past. And I mean, there's so many great things that are already happening, like the open church during the week, so many people coming in and great conversations and people who are seeking prayer and seeking a listening ear coming in. It's, it's wonderful. Jen. Yeah, Bob and I, we talking about the um that space as well the church grounds because i i've 
always see the church grounds, especially at the front, as like the the area where you have to cross mm. to get to what's beyond beyond you know the church grounds, and so there's always this desire to sort of break down the barriers, and and um, yeah the the food cart and the and the natural path that goes through to the car park at the back here is a, a, a brilliant you know accidental um, opportunity for that. But I was talking to someone who's had a long association with the church in the past um, some time ago, and he said to me, you know, my dream was always to get rid of that whole fence across the front and just have that merge with the footpath so that there is no physical barrier there at all. So and people accidentally wander onto the yeah, church grounds. Yeah, you actually <laughs> just merge onto, you actually just walk, you know, into, into like a, a, a green space. Hmm. Um, and the, the other thing that came up, uh, Bob and I were just chatting, was that there's one of those frames up there missing, and that is the, um, the community hall, yeah. uh, because that's where heaps of groups come. Mm. And but they're all kind of unrelated to us. Um, and I'm, he said, I wonder how many people from the church actually attend any of those groups and, and bridge that gap and make that, that personal connection they're mm. already on the property and they're seeing things on the walls and everything. Um, but there's a, there are groups there that, you know, um, they're already coming into the front. Right. And it's one of the challenges for us. We, we live in a world where the idea of being physically present, the, the tide of culture is pushing us towards withdrawal from community and pushing us away from each other, I think. Um, and we need to swim against that tide. And so one of the challenges is, sure, thinking about the spaces and how we use our spaces, but there's also, I find for me, looking at my own heart and going, well, there's, I have, life's busy, but where are some spaces I can make some com commitment to being with people too? And, and we need to be generous and gentle with one another in that because it's not always easy. Trespassers are welcome. Please trespass here. <laughs> yes, Gordon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the microphone is just there for you. Yeah. yeah. Two months ago. Just if you just speak into that, that'd be helpful for people on Zoom. Thanks. About two months ago, you gave a sermon on the third space. Yeah, yeah. The neighbourhood said the community is your third space, where you practice the theory that uh, you got yeah. in churches. Yeah. And the church grounds and the ministry centre is where we bring the public in or we they just enjoy ourselves there. So I think the third space is the most important one there. Yeah. And doing the work. I wonder whether we can turn, turn the church grounds into a third space. Uh, could the church grounds be a space that is a shared space between church and community? Um, so that there isn't the barrier that you were talking about Janet, and I think there's lots of steps that we as churches have taken to do to move towards this over the years, and I want to celebrate that. Um, but let's keep talking about it. Let's keep imagining. Just on this discussion of the church grounds and the third space, um, the church has actually a draft plan from a landscape architect um, that was done a couple of years ago, wasn't it? And all, a lot of these ideas were discussed and reflected mm. um, of opening up and making it more welcoming, of reducing, removing that um, 
fence at the front that is a physical barrier and how can we open up that mm. front space oh great so um yeah there it's it's just very interesting that these um that your discussion has triggered tonight the desire from so many people to mm. have that happen and um now that we're kind of moving out of COVID, it might be good to dig that up and see how that might be progressed yeah and and the reality is these i think these sorts of pictures that we might paint of the future take time to step towards and we need to do it in realistic and sustainable ways one step at a time but we had a similar similar conversation out at winmalee today and you know one small step at a time but um yeah that's right yeah absolutely and, and i think at the end of the day these <clears throat> these are ideas and thoughts and ima imaginings and they're they're wonderful at the same time god's this is all in god's hands too and um i think it's important for us to remember that not to get obsessed about one particular idea that we might have but to keep coming back to the question of the understanding of who we are as god's people this God is a purposeful God on mission in the world and he calls us to be a part of that, his body in the world. It's a remarkable calling. So let's keep having these conversations and, and asking questions like, how, you know, how, God would, how would God have us be a physical presence in this space? Or what would these grounds and buildings, what can they maybe look like in the future? What, how can we be a presence to each other? and in our homes and our workplaces every day of the week this isn't just something that happens on a sunday but we are god's people called to be his presence in the world in all that we do in every place we go uh, look i just want to wrap up actually uh, by reflecting on an example of what i think it might look like in a very different context of, to our own, but for the church to be Jesus' body in the world. And, and Bob referred to this a little er, earlier. There's a reflection some of you might have seen from a pastor in the Ukrainian church who's shared a little bit about his story and his family's story in the midst of the conflict that's going on. And I just think it's a lovely example of what we've been talking about. And maybe it'll stir our imaginations a little bit too so this is what they write if necessary the church premises can be turned into a shelter we have a good basement we're ready to deploy a heating station as well as provide a place for a military hospital to make this a reality we're creating response teams if martial law is declared they're ready with a strategic supply of fuel food and material for dressing wounds We've even gathered information on who in the church are doctors, mechanics, plumbers, even who has wells in case of a water shortage. We have decided to stay, both as a family and as a church. When this is over, the citizens of Kiev will remember how Christians have responded in their time of need. And while the church may not fight like the nation, we still believe we have a role to play in this struggle. We will shelter the weak, serve the suffering, and mend the broken. And as we do, we offer the unshakable hope of Christ 
and his gospel. Let me pray. Lord God, all of what we have spoken about is not because of who we want to be or any choice that we make or any effort on our part, but because of who you are. You are at work in your world, making yourself known in this world of senses. And by your grace, you have given us dignity to be partners with you in this wonderful plan. And you've been working throughout your story to restore our, our created purpose as your image bearers. May, may you open up our imaginations. May you help us to listen to one another and be gracious and gentle with one another but that we would be one in heart and spirit to be seeking to be a tangible taste of your presence in the world. We pray that the community around us might see and taste and touch and hear and even smell your goodness. We pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.